Well, you know, we're thankful for our worship team for many, many reasons, but one of the primary ones is because they ensure and work very, very hard at this, that the songs that we sing together come right from the Word of God. And that one from 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a, a what? To a, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So thank you, worship team, for, for leading us and for leading us so well. Hey, I want to thank you for choosing to be in the Lord's house on this first Lord's Day of the new year. And I worded that sentence the way that I did on purpose. Followers of Jesus Christ are people who have had a definite time in their life of trusting Jesus as our Savior and as our, our Lord. So we realized at a point in time that we needed somebody to pay for our sin, but also to take charge of our lives. And here's the way Paul said it to the Romans in Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as what? Jesus as Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And then just a few verses later, Paul quotes from the Old Testament prophet Joel when he says, for whoever will call on the name of the, the Lord will be saved. And by the way, if you've never done that before, we would invite you to make that decision even this morning. But what that means is that we make decisions about what we're going to do today and every day, not on the basis of our feelings or our natural desires or whatever trends might be occurring in the world in which we live. No, no, no. We choose to do what our Lord, what our Master, what our King desires because we believe that in so doing, we're living in a way that is consistent with our design, which is why Paul would say to the Romans just a few chapters later, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, including the body that you got out of bed this morning and brought over to the church house to present your bodies a living and, and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world. So it doesn't matter what the world says we ought to be doing with our bodies this morning. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So again, thank you for choosing to be in the Lord's house on this first Lord's Day of the new year. Now, before we look forward, I, I do want to say on behalf of all of our pastors, thank you. Uh, thank you for the way our church family served the Lord so effectively during this past Christmas season. You know, we, we've learned over the years that Christmas is a time of the year when people are especially open to the gospel. And sometimes we kid about that. I heard a comedian who reported that his doctor told him to take his new medication religiously. So he said, I, I take it once a year, um, usually in December. Well, you know, it, it, we can joke about those kind of things, but, but we want to meet people where they are, right? Because our merciful Savior chooses to meet us where we are, not just at the moment of our salvation, but, but every day after that until he takes us to glory. So, so what does that mean? Well, we kick it into another gear around here at Christmas time. And when you think about all the different ways the people of our church served together in the last month, it was a sight to behold. For example, a taste of Christmas. I looked at that picture this week. I just look at how many people 
Um, God gave us the privilege of serving at, at Taste of Christmas, and then Christmas for Everyone, and then our wonderful Christmas musical, and then course, the Living Nativity, and then our, our Christmas Eve services, and then winter break ministries, and then our, our New Year's Eve extravaganzas. It's quite amazing. And you know, as I, I travel and talk to different pastors and, and different churches, one comment that I frequently hear is this, we, we just can't get our people to serve. In fact, I, I'm often told we can't have outreach ministries to our community because we can barely staff the programs we have inside our church to our own members. Well, our pastors want you to know we're very thankful for for the way our brothers and sisters here serve so sacrificially and and so faithfully. And, And not just that, what we especially appreciate is it's not done with the bare minimum. It's serving Jesus Christ with excellence, with our first fruits, with our our very best, and we don't take that for granted. It's very much like Paul said to the Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for all of you. That's what our pastors would say to our church family right there. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, and listen to these three things, constantly bearing in mind your your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness. What did we just sing about? of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of God and our God and Father. And, you know, I think it's interesting that all of the ministries that I just enumerated came, just like they do every year, right on the heels of our Stewardship Month, because what we're talking about right now, what took place around here at Christmas time, it really is, it's, a, it's an outgrowth of faithful stewardship, isn't it? We see that in First Peter As each one has received a special gift, what do we do with that? Well, employ it in serving one another as what? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And I really do believe this. The average person who attends this church was the living embodiment of that passage in the last 30 days. And for that, we're profoundly thankful. And ultimately, of course, we're thankful for the resurrected Savior, who makes that kind of a lifestyle both possible and I think even stronger than that, even desirable. Now, I also just want to say that um, thank you for being patient when you're with your pastors when we don't get it quite right. And I mentioned this during the Christmas Eve services, but I think it bears repeating for those who weren't with us that evening. You know, one of the challenges of the living nativity is we're constantly having to make weather-related decisions. And that shouldn't surprise us, I suppose, if we're going to schedule an outdoor outreach activity in Indiana in December. Well, this year, you remember, we had unusually mild weather for the first weekend. Our attendance was, was amazing, and we we're very surprised by the percentage of people who were telling us this was actually their first time to come. So we're having a great time that, that, that first weekend for sure, and then the second weekend rolled around. And mild weather again, we had a solid, solid Friday night. But then they were calling for rain. It was supposed to start about 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. So, so the working theory was, well, probably going to cancel the nativity for Saturday night. We, we don't want to, but probably going to have to. Well, then Saturday rolls around, and it didn't start raining Saturday morning. At least not, we better cancel the nativity kind of rain. So some of our pastors and our other nativity leaders started discussing that and moving in this Saturday afternoon. 
But, but ultimately, the buck, the buck stops with me, right? I mean, this is the Harry Truman. Uh, I'm responsible when things don't go well. So we decided we're, we, we're going to have the Nativity Saturday night. So we got all the participants, even the animals in place. People from the community started lining up in their queues. And when you know it, right around 6.30, it started really raining. And we had to make the decision to close early, as many of you know, which meant now people are all wet. I mean, physically, they're all, all, all wet. Um, some of our guests had to leave without being served. It was a bad decision. It was a bad decision. I felt terrible as I watched all of that unfold. But here's another piece of this Christmas puzzle. I didn't have to deal with an angry mob wanting to throw me in the pond behind the community center. Now, I did leave rather quickly, but, but, but that, <laughs> and hid, <laughs> or I didn't have to answer a dozen flaming emails, which I'm sure I deserved, and I, I just want to point out, that's faithful service too, and, and so we want you to know that we're profoundly thankful for you. In fact, I often drive by one of our campuses where groups of people are doing things, and I, I'm not even sure exactly what that might be at the time. But just a, a, a phrase that constantly goes through my mind as I, as I observe that, that kind of thing is this, such fine people. That, that, that's kind of the summary, and that's the way our pastoral staff thinks of our church family. God has blessed us with such fine, fine people, and that was clearly on display at Christmas time. and um, thank you for your efforts. Now, with that in mind, I want to invite you now to open your Bible to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, that's on page 162 of the front section of the Bible under the chair in front of you. So Joshua chapter 4, or page 162 of the front section of the Bible under the chair in front of you. For those who are new, we, we generally spend one of these first Sundays of the new year with a discussion on why are we here and, and where are we going and how do you fit in? And, and there's a sense in which this functions, I guess you would say, as a sort of a state of the church address, coupled with a discussion of where we believe the Lord wants us to go in the days ahead. And I suppose if you look back over the years at those various discussions, they've been primarily positive. And why is that? Well, because the Lord's blessed us so significantly, and there are just always exciting prospects for the future. So they're positive presentations, and that shouldn't surprise us. Because on one level, we're simply talking about participating in the project that the Lord Jesus Christ himself has promised to build. He said it in Matthew 16, 18, I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Well, well, think about everything that we just said regarding Christmas. Well, what was that? Well, in a very real sense, it was Jesus working in and through his people to, to do what? To build his church. And I can't think of anything more excited about than that. Can you? But, but I, so, so my point is, uh, generally speaking, this presentation is going to be positive because we're just talking about participating in the work that our, our wonderful Savior is doing. However, I really do believe this. I believe 2024 could be one of our best and most productive years ever. So, so this message that I have the privilege of giving today, it, it's had a I can't wait to talk about this kind of a feel for me for sure. It's also true that the answer to the, the first question, why are we here, it, it's almost always the same. Well, well, why? 
because our God-given mission doesn't change. And so we summarize it like this. The mission of Faith Church is to glorify God by winning people to Jesus Christ and equipping them to be more faithful disciples. And I hope as soon as I say that, there's certain bread and butter passages that just start coming to your mind because it's not like we started with a mission statement and then we went to the Bible. Of course not. We went to the Bible and we formed our mission statement from that. So there ought to be certain bread and butter passages from the Word of God that would just come to our minds when we think about that mission statement like 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the, to the glory of God. And we're amazed that that potential or that possibility even exists, are we not? That people like you and me could bring glory to God. Or Romans eleven thirty six: for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the, the glory forever, amen. Or the way the book of Romans ends, now to Him who's able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ. And here it is. Be the glory forever. Amen. So that's why the mission of Faith Church is to glorify God. So why did people choose to serve the way they did in December? Fundamentally, it was to glorify God, to to reflect. See, what does glorify mean? To reflect or to mirror or to represent His character and His attributes to those the Lord has placed around us so that others would come to know Him. Like Jesus commanded, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and then, here it is, glorify your Father who is in heaven. Those are mission statements. Every one of those verses feeds into our mission and in some senses our mission statements themselves along with, of course, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Or Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. I hope passages like that thrill your heart. I hope they guide your steps. I hope they motivate you to find specific ways to participate in helping us accomplish our God-given mission. I hope you'd say, if that's what this church is all about, I want in. I want to be involved in that, and I consider it an incredible privilege to do so. Well, what about 2024? So so where are we going? I want to suggest to you this morning there's three key words to guide our church um, in this coming year. The first one is this, the word celebration. Brothers and sisters, congratulations are in order whether you realize it or not, because 2024 is our 60th anniversary. We're going to have us a year-long party in many ways. Celebration, that's the word that we hope will characterize so many of our efforts this year. And that's why the theme that we've chosen for this year is building on our heritage. Building on our heritage, because the truth of the matter is, by God's grace, we have an awful lot to celebrate. Now, now, let's just clear this one off. I I realize someone, or maybe a lot of someone's, 
might say, well, I, I'm new around here, and so this really isn't my celebration. You know, Jesus actually gave a parable about that very matter during His earthly ministry, and the essence was, in His economy, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. In other words, this party is about Jesus Christ and about His marvelous saving work, and so it doesn't matter if you just became a Christian or if you just started attending here. The guest of honor says there's always room for somebody else. And so we are absolutely thrilled to have you join the celebration, even if you've just started coming. Now, I ask you to turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 4. This is the marvelous recounting of the miraculous parting and crossing of the Jordan River. So approximately 40 years before, God had parted the Red Sea. And now Joshua is the leader for this new generation of God's people. And so to demonstrate God's power his commitment to keeping the covenants he's made with the children of Israel. Here's what, and I want to encourage you, picture this event unfolding in your mind. Here's what God tells Joshua to instruct the people. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of all the earth, is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. It shall come about that when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters. You understand that? They go first. <laughs> rest in the waters of the Jordan. Then the waters of the Jordan will be cut off. And the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. I love that part. One heap. And that is exactly what happens. So we read in verse 17, And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry... They weren't getting muddy. as a riverbed a few seconds before. Now they're standing on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel, imagine it, crossed on dry ground until all the nation, all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. That's how powerful our God is. Do you believe that this morning? But that wasn't the end of the story. They needed a reminder to help them continue to celebrate what God had done. So here's Joshua 4, beginning in verse 1. Now, when all the nation had finished crossing, I wonder how long that took. The Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Now, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua <coughs> called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, You're going back in. Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulders according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you so that when, and this is so crucial, so that when your children ask later saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. Sixty years ago, the former pastor of Casus Street Baptist Church, a gentleman named Pastor Baden Rowe, and his church family saw that the new south side of Lafayette was growing rapidly, and it was in need of a, a new Bible-believing church. And so they scooped off five of their families. And they sent them off with a missionary church planting pastor named Roland Reed 
Pastor Reed is on the left side, the guy with the big Bible. That was a missionary church planting pastor, and they were sent to plant Faith Baptist Church. Their first services were held in February 1964. Amazingly, by June of that same year, the group had grown from 16 members to 70 And so in their very first year, they purchased six building lots on South 18th Street. Two years later, that congregation was already constructing their first permanent building. Think about that. They began using that building in September of 1966. So the first service in 64, they start using their permanent building in 1966 And that building was dedicated formally on January 8th of 1967. Here's what all that means, friends. God's hand of unusual blessing has been on this church family since its very beginning. And now on our 60th anniversary, a 12-stones-type celebration and reminder is surely in order. Now, who do we intend to celebrate? Well, the fundamental answer is our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because we understand that anything that has been done right around here is only because of His grace. It's only because of His strength. It's only because of His enablement. Recently, my personal Bible reading took me to 2 Chronicles chapter 2, which records in part the story of King Hezekiah, who became a king at age 25 during a time of terrible idolatry and disregard of the Lord's house. And you can read that story in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, how he led the people to make a series of dramatic and courageous reforms. But when it came time to celebrate those reforms, here's what we read, 2 Chronicles 29, 31. Then Hezekiah said, now that you've consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near and bring sacrifices and, don't miss it, thank offerings to the house of the Lord. And the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all those who were willing brought burnt offerings. If you read that passage more fully, the number of offerings that were made was stunning. In fact, they ran out of priests. They didn't have enough priests to process all of the sacrifices that the people wanted to make on that day. But, and here's why I wanted to go to this passage, that the last verse of that chapter is very, very instructive. Second Chronicles 29, 36, then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what? Over what God had prepared for the people. So who was the celebration about? Well, first and foremost, the, the Lord Himself. And I want to encourage you. I, I assume you came to church today to hear about um, some recommended goals for the year. Is that why you came? That'd be a good time for a yes, because you're going to get a bunch of them. So, so you might as well want them. I want to encourage you to set a goal for your own heart for 2024, that you would grow in love for the Lord in your heart as we reflect on all the ways that God has blessed our church family. I want to encourage you to pray that for yourself. I want to encourage you to pray that for your brothers and sisters in Christ this year. Now, you may have noticed, when we talk about celebration, what's involved in that? You may have noticed a theme in those verses that I just read that's woven throughout all the celebration passages in the Bible. That's the issue of thanksgiving. We saw it a couple of times in that passage, thank 
offerings, thank offerings. Here's what that means. The word celebration and thanksgiving should only be far apart in the dictionary. But, But in our experience and in our body life, they ought to go hand in hand. And friends, one of the challenges in a church, one of the challenges in any relationship, any organization for that matter, is that as it ages, there's the tendency to take God's blessings for granted or to take one another for granted. And when that happens, fundamentally, that is a lack of love. It was mentioned earlier that our plan, Lord willing, is to do a verse-by-verse exposition of the book of Ephesians this year, a book that is so doctrinally rich, it's going to be very natural for us to find all sorts of ways to think about what it means to to build on our heritage in that book. But if you know your Bible, you know this, that the story of the Ephesian church did not end well. You may remember Jesus wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus. And I'm not talking about the book of Ephesians. I'm talking about the book of Revelation. Ephesus was one of the seven um, Revelation churches. And so by the time that book would have been written, that letter would have been written to the Ephesian church, depending on what date you choose, the church would have been less than 50 years old. You remember what Jesus had to say to the church at Ephesus? He said this, I have this against you that you want... You left your first love. Friend, how do you and how do we stay out of Revelation 2-4? Well, it's by giving careful attention to practicing the art and the discipline of thanksgiving. And I would just suggest to all of us that 2024 gives us an excellent occasion to do that. And friend, we need it. And if you say, are you saying that you see evidences of a lack of thanksgiving among us? That is exactly what I'm saying, and I'm saying that to myself, and I'm saying that to all of us. So so throughout the year, we plan to emphasize the 60th anniversary in a number of different ways. Uh, Most notably, in church family night in March, we're going to spend a lot of time on the 60th anniversary details. Lord willing, later in the fall, we plan to have a joint outdoor worship service with Casus Street Baptist Church um, at Loeb Stadium. A lot of our Stewardship Month activities this year, Lord willing, will be around um, our 60th anniversary. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Are you ready? I want to encourage you to buy a pack of 100 thank you notes and then set a goal that you're going to use all of them this year as you're just reflecting on the way you see our Lord working in and through your brothers and sisters in Christ in this church that now is 60 years old. So I want to encourage you to write a thank you note, a thank you note with your hand and a pen on a physical piece of paper. Friends, that has become a lost art. And the most thankful people on the face of the planet ought to be the church of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to write a thank you note, for example, to your child's Sunday school teacher. But while you're doing it, this is, this is the point logically, while you're doing that, reflect on a Savior who's making that person's ministry possible so that your heart is captivated by a Savior who continues to build His church. I want to encourage you to write thank you notes to the members of our worship team. What did we just experience together? 
we experience Jesus building his church, just like he promised to do, in our case, for 60 years. Write a a thank you note to the folks in the sound booth. It works week after week. Somebody had to come here really early in the morning. They were here long before the sun was up. Write a thank you note to people like that. I want to encourage you, and I am very serious about this. I want to encourage you to sit in your car before or after one of our services and ponder how God led people to give so that all these buildings can be built. And on and on and on. Let's find ourselves giving continual thank offerings to the Lord and His people. And in so doing, here's here's the goal, to, to grow in our love for Him. Let's allow this celebration to have its intended effects. We also hope to celebrate Casus Street Baptist Church. Here's a factoid that I found very interesting. Kasuth also has an anniversary this year. It's their 80th anniversary. Well, let's do some math. What does that mean? It's not complicated. How old was Kasuth when they started faith? 20 years old. 20 years old. Pretty amazing that a young congregation was already focused on church planting, even when it meant sacrificing some of their families in order to make it possible. And, you know, churches get started for all sorts of reasons. I'm glad that this is part of our heritage. It's something very easy to build upon. And I'm also very glad that we enjoy a healthy and productive relationship with our mother church even to this day. But you probably know some people from Kasuth. Maybe you work with them or you're involved with them socially, do sports with them or, or whatever. As you have an occasion to rub shoulders with members of Kasuth this year, I hope you'll thank them. I hope you'll commend them. And, and let's be praying that this um, joint service that we're planning at Loeb Stadium later this fall will be sweet. And it will be honoring to the Lord. See, see what, what are we wanting to do this year? One of the answers to that question is we want to we thank and honor mom. We, we want to thank and we want to honor our mother church. Now, now, thirdly, we plan to celebrate our long-term members. You know, we, we say a lot around here about our excitement for those who are new, and we should. New growth is absolutely delightful. But we have a group of brothers and sisters who have been here 20, 30, 40, 50, in some cases nearly 60 years. And we owe those people a tremendous amount of gratitude. If you say, hey, where's our 12 stones? Those are our 12 stones. In many senses, those are the living memorials of God's faithfulness. And I want to challenge you. And you might say, man, you're challenging us a lot. (laughs) That's my job. And and here's what I want to challenge you to do this year. I want to challenge you to purposely spend time with some of our longer-term members this year. And if you'd say, I don't even know who they might be, if you ask your service pastor that question, they have a list. And they'll be happy, more than happy, to, to make that connection for you. But here's what I would recommend. You can have a meal with them either at a restaurant or at your house, a cup of coffee, whatever. But I would encourage you essentially to interview them and to learn all you can from our longer... You you can just ask them, what are your memories of faith? What are some of the ways that you have... You know, we have people 
who have held practically every office and service position in this church over the time they've been here. It's amazing some of those stories. What milestones stand out as times of great blessing to you? For a number of the people that I'm thinking about right now, I would also encourage you to do this. Ask them to tell you about their spouse. Here's what I mean by that. Many of our faithful widows were married to a dear husband who used to serve around here all the time. And you may not know that person because that person may have passed away a long, long time ago. But at one time, that person's spouse was a very integral part of what was going on around here and learning about their story, too, could be inspiring to you. You know, that widow wouldn't do that, but they could. They could take out their check registers going back decades and decades and say something like that right there. That's my husband's handwriting. And the first check he wrote every month on behalf of our family was to Faith Baptist Church because that's the kind of man he was. And friends, I'm suggesting that 2024 can be a great year if this 60th anniversary celebration allows us to grow in our love and thanksgiving for the Lord but also for the brothers and sisters that he's placed around us, including those who have already preceded us into glory. So celebration, the second key word to guide us this year is the word completion. You know, many of the answers to that question, well, where are we going, that's already been determined by our church family. That was determined back in 2022 when our church family crafted our free-to-dream strategic ministry plan. We took an entire year as brothers and sisters to analyze what we believe the Lord wanted us to accomplish together. And and let me just remind you, without a a doubt, it was a a very aggressive plan that, that our church family decided was the will of God for us. If you need a new copy of that, by the way, there are very if you say, I I can't find mine. I'm sure that's not because you lost it. I'm sure it's because you shared it with somebody else. But if you need a fresh copy, they're available at no questions asked. <laughs> no questions asked. Um, but they're available at the, the Welcome Center, and we'd love for you to, to have another one of them. Or say, I've got some other people who are take as many as you want. Take as many as you want. Also, if you'd like to know, because we can't talk about all 39 of the initiatives that the church family assigned to this particular year, but if you want to know... Um, What staff member is actually responsible just to shepherd that one this year? There's a handout like this that's available at the Welcome Centers. You could pull one of those out. That's just the initiatives for this particular year. You could also find all that on the website. So if you go to that particular address, there's um, all of the resources that I'm referencing are um, are available for download um, for you if you'd like them that way. Time doesn't allow us to discuss everything our church family determined that we ought to do this year, but I'll tell you, it'd be very helpful. If you look down over one of those initiatives and say, you know what, I'm particularly interested in that one. I'd love to see that one take place, or God maybe have given me some gifts or abilities or or experience in that one, reach out to that particular staff member and, and volunteer to help. That would be very, very encouraging to them for sure. But But part of the plan, you remember, don't you? You say, what do you mean completion? Well, part of the plan called for us to have six different construction projects going simultaneously. (laughs) And that was before the bonus seventh project that was announced at the stewardship celebration. Do you realize we've never had that many construction projects going on at one time? 
And there's just another reason to celebrate God's goodness. But we all know this, it's a lot easier to start a project than to to finish one. Jesus said it this way, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me can't be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? There's our word, (laughs) to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to to finish. You know, what's really exciting is during our 60th anniversary year, we may very well be able to have multiple dedication ceremonies for an astounding number of projects that our God allowed us to bring to completion. Well, what are they? There's the, the restoration barn for our men's ministry. The free-to-dream part of that is done, but there's been some additional design work done and some things we could do on the inside. I'll just tell you, there's a foundation from out of town that has asked to come and visit us this month and talk about that very thing. Now, now we're happy already. Were we not? We were overwhelmed by the goodness of God already. But He, he loves us. You say, why? Why? <laughs> Because he's just that kind of God. That's the answer to that. But we're thankful. That's a beautiful sight to behold, for sure. And then there's the renovations that are taking place at at Faith East, and those are well underway and more planned for for this year. Then there's the high school classroom building, and thank God it's right on schedule. The roof is about dried in, which will allow the workers to complete or continue work throughout the winter, which they just absolutely love. By the way, if you drive by that building and look at it right now, it is pink. I know it's pink. Um, you say, is that the final color of that building? Because I'm not sure that matches so well. No, that's waterproofing, a sealant that was put on the blocks. There's going to be another coat put on, and then they'll put the face brick on, Lord willing, okay? So we're not completed there yet. But the good news is I, just, I needed to say that before I had a bunch of emails on that particular question. But the, the beauty is that project's right on schedule. The Athletic Training Center is doing very, very well. And Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks, that one will be shelled in as well. This roadway parking lot project is, is practically done. And um, that came out um, so very, very well. The civil engineers are um, working feverishly because our aspirational goal is that that track and football stadium will be ready to be played on this fall. Now, that's not a promise. I didn't even have my hand in the air, but that's the aspirational goal. It's amazing the number of governmental approvals at various levels have to be um, received before we can get started, but they are working feverishly and at least right now are on track. Then there's our community skate park. That, too, is going to be quite an amenity. That one, Lord willing, will be started this year. That's a two-year build because of just what it takes to, to get all of that done. I want to encourage you to bathe all that in prayer. Pray for our construction workers, and I would encourage you to pray for their safety, pray for their productivity. I would also encourage you to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, and this is where the completion part comes in. You know, writing those checks month after month can lose a bit of its glamour. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And then I would encourage you to pray for these dedication services and tie it back to what we said from Joshua chapter 4. One of the primary reasons they were erecting the 12 stones was for the benefit of whom? For the benefit of the children. And friends, listen, if we're careful and wise this year, 2024 can have a tremendous impact 
on our children. Also, if you're wondering how we're doing financially on all of this, there's more good news to that. If you divided our, our capital campaign, not counting that bonus project, up into 36 months, by now, at this point, we just finished the first year of the three-year campaign, we should have been at about $4.1 million received. Our accounting team is telling me we've actually received over $5 million already. But I do recognize it's a lot easier to start something than it is to complete something. So we're asking the Lord to help us finish what we believed um, we should complete. One other idea under this heading of completion, I want to say, I don't talk about this nearly enough. I'm very, very thankful for our staff. I'm thankful for our pastors. I'm thankful for our families for sure. They are one of the greatest blessings to me in, in ministry. I'm very thankful. But there's also our support staff. And the reason I bring them up now, you realize whenever we launch an aggressive strategic ministry plan like the one that we have, well, it impacts our support teams. It really does. And so, well, who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about our development, creative design, and electronics communication. They do wonderful work, wonderful work. I'm talking about our office staff, the people who keep all the trains running on time. I'm talking about our tech team. Isn't that a great picture? Of Jonathan and Eric, how they found that uh, code for Eric, the match Jonathan's 20-plus-year-old code. I mean, that's, I love that picture. Love it for sure. Our maintenance team, great, great people. Th- those who serve in our, our community centers, again, marvelous, marvelous support staff. I, I especially want you to think about our accounting team. Think about those people because even on a regular day, they have to... Pre- provide accounting services for our entire family of ministries. And even apart from special projects, it is a very, very complicated task for sure. Then when you add now $15 million worth of construction projects, so they have to manage all the construction bills, they have to manage all the capital campaign commitments, it's an incredible load. And then on top of that, you may recall that when we built the North End Community Center, it included a financing instrument called New Market Tax Credits, which brought $4 million of of equity into that project. Well, this is the seventh year, which means we now unwind them. And I realize you might say, I have no idea what that means. That's the point. Our accounting team does. And what that means is we end up holding $4 million worth of value as a church, and they end up having a headache which might be a good use of some of those thank you notes, is just to thank our wonderful accounting team and all that they do behind the scenes. If you'd like to know more about each one of our staff members' annual initiatives or some of the 19 work teams, there's just a lot going on around here. If you want to learn more about all that, all of that is available for you to to download as well. So, So what's our year about? It's about celebration about completion. But lastly, it's about, it's about courage. And when I originally presented these ideas to our, our staff, um, I, I, my third C was Caleb-ism. That's what I was going to call it. That didn't go very well with the staff. So, so we changed it to, to courage. But, but Caleb-ism, where'd that come from? Well, Joshua 14. And you remember toward the end of the promised land or the conquest of the promised land, The process that began with the placing of the 12 stones, we have this incredible interchange. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea, 
I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Now, behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I'm 85 years old today. Then he said, I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me, as my strength was then, so my strength is now for war, for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country. Anybody here old enough to know Robbie Heiner's great song, I Want That Mountain? That's what I was afraid of. And now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day the Anakim, the giants were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I'll drive them out just as the Lord has spoken. Here's an incredibly exciting thought. You want an incredibly exciting thought? If Jesus doesn't return this year, and he might, but if Jesus doesn't return next, this year, what will we be doing 12 months from now? The answer is completing the surveys as we begin our next strategic ministry planning process for our 2026 to 2030 strategic ministry plan. And here's what I'm suggesting. If we've benefited from this celebration and we've completed what we set out in the will and the power of God to do, what should we as a church family be saying next? And the answer is, I want that mountain as the people of God with greater courage than ever before. And that, my friends, was the point of free to dream. Because in addition to all these construction projects, we're also in the process of retiring all of our church's external debt on all of our campuses in the next 12 to 24 months. And you might say, well, so what? (laughs) Anybody who's had the privilege of paying off their house knows the answer to that. And what that means for us is if, and it's an if, our finances stay the same, that will free up nearly a million dollars a year, which is between 20 and 25% of our entire local church budget. And what that means is we will be free to dream about serving the Lord at an entirely different level. And you might say, we we who? What's the answer to that question? We all of us. Because we've always believed that many times the best ministry idea may reside in the heart of the shyest person in the room. And so 2024 ought to be characterized by courageous dreaming on the part of all of us. And you might say, in what categories? I'm going to give you five. I know this is a long sermon. That's okay. I'm going to give you five categories in which we ought to be dreaming. One of them is new mission work. We've always been a mission-minded church from our very inception, but now we'll have the opportunity to participate in mission work like never before. And we used to have to say, well, we we can't do that. We can't do that. That very well could become, we very well could do that now. And who knows how the Lord might use us. Lord willing, tomorrow Frank Oliver and I will leave for the Dominican Republic early in the morning. One of our partners there is Pastor Narciso. He pastors in uh, Santa Domingo. Their church already does community-based biblical counseling, community-based biblical counseling training. They plan to send nine people to our biblical counseling training conference in February. I just recently learned that their church has a deaf ministry. That, that piqued my attention because some of you know I teach at a deaf Bible college in North Georgia every year. 
because they want their graduates trained in biblical counseling. I was amazed to learn this year that my friends in Georgia are the ones who train the leaders in the church in the DR, and they frequently travel there with their deaf choir. We'll also be working with Oscar and Olga Arocha. By the way, that picture gives you an idea of the kind of climate that Frank and I are going to be in, Lord willing, starting tomorrow evening. I did just learn that snow is forecasted for Lafayette this week. I feel terrible. But, but, but anyway, why are, we, why are we going? Well, we're providing training for their orphanage staff and speaking at a biblical counseling conference next weekend and then at their church on Sunday. But the primary reason I've been asked to come is to help them in their dedication of their new vision of hope. In Spanish, of course, but they asked for the permission to use that particular name because they're trying to model so much of what they're doing after what we're trying to do here in community-based outreach ministry. And God's provided some funding, and they've built a new building that's especially going to be serving um, women with unplanned pregnancies, helping them keep their babies. And, And part of what was surprising to me was to learn that the president's wife the First Lady of the Dominican Republic, will be at that dedication service. And what I've been asked to speak on is um, to talk about social work that is being done in a way that is biblical and Christ-centered. How and why is that? I'm just simply saying God wants to glorify Himself in all sorts of ways. Let us be people who are characterized by courageous dreaming. There's also the matter of new ministries. There, there may have been a ministry that we'd always wanted to start, but we just weren't able to. Well, n- now we can as people of courage that there may be some strategic staff hire that we should make. And we weren't able to do it before, but now we can. Or even mundane things like right-sizing our contingency funds or saving for long-term building maintenance because we want to be sure as generational changes take place around here that the next generation is set up and set up well. Well, I realize it's been a long message. I understand that. But that's because the Lord's at work in an amazing number of ways, and we get the privilege to participate. And I hope it's been obvious there's a place for everybody here. But may the Lord find us celebrating this year. May the Lord find us completing. And may He find us living courageously. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we, we thank You for the church. We thank you that Jesus died so that men and women could be brought into a saving relationship with you, and then that you would organize us into a group of people who could have an impact in our communities and around the world. And Lord, you you have blessed us in such amazing ways where we just fall down in thanksgiving for the way you've chosen to, to work here. Lord, I pray that you would help us this year, and we realize this may be the year that we hear the trumpet. And Father, we're ready to go if that's your will. But, but in the meantime, I pray that you would help us to be joyfully and faithfully serving you here. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.